Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to Exodus 5. Exodus 5. Last week, we jumped in to our stretch series. Amen? Stretching our faith, because when we stretch our faith, we can increase what God wants to do in our lives that we want to stretch ourselves, stretch our thinking, stretch our expectations, stretch our faith, stretch our belief in what God can do. Stretch ourselves because stretching helps me expand, helps me increase. You know, any time you want to progress to another level, you'll be tested on the previous one. Any time you want to progress to the next level, you'll be tested on the previous one, amen? And so here we are at the end of a year. At the end, I can't believe we're already here in 2019. Where did it go? But here we are counting down the days to Christmas. You guys just forgot all about Thanksgiving, moved right on to Christmas trees and decorations. Uh, I was listening to someone make that argument the other day that, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, doesn't warrant the same uh, attention that Christmas does, and other people were saying, no, it's just as much a holiday, and you can't forget about, he said, name me one Thanksgiving song. <laughs> Point taken. Okay, so we're already moving as quick as we can to Christmas, but I don't know about you, I don't want to end just any old way. I want to end strong. I want to finish well. I want to fight to the finish, amen? Get to the end of this thing and look forward to what God has to do in 2020. So last week we jumped in and we kind of talked about limitations. We took a look at uh, Acts chapter 3 with Peter and John uh, being introduced to the uh, lame man. Uh, you know, and what, what stirred me up about that too after I was kind of processing that, I wonder how many times Peter and John passed by that guy on the way to that same temple without the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, you got to have the Holy Spirit in your life. He helps you see things you never saw before. And you'll do things you never did before because you've got, you've got a power, you've got someone residing and living now within you and his power coming upon you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You won't look at your coworkers the same way. You won't look at your parents the same way. You won't look at your kids the same way. You won't look at your situations the same way. You won't look at your job the same way because the Holy Spirit now gives you a new perspective to see God's work in and through that. How many times did they pass by that lame man on the way to that? They placed him there every day, that says. That was a regular occurrence for him. He knew where to go. Even then, they knew church people got money. Even then, they knew. Amen. And so he's begging for alms. And he had a limitation. He couldn't walk. He couldn't move. He had to have people carry him. But he finally met someone that wouldn't just carry him but challenge him. Amen? That point just stood out to me all week long, that we don't need people. Well, I'm thankful that I've had people carry me. Anybody thankful for the people that carried you when you couldn't get there on your own? I'm thankful that, man, I don't care how you got here today. You might have been carried here today. But I'm here to challenge you today, challenge you beyond status quo, challenge you beyond what your level of expectation is, challenge you beyond. Uh, just, you know, regular occurrence. This is not just another Sunday. God's not just wanting to put alms in your bucket today. He is wanting to challenge you to step out, rise up, leap, walk, and praise him on the way in. Amen. 
And so we talked about moving past those limitations and we've got to be challenged to move past limitation. I know many times I've pushed past uh, limitations in my life. Anytime I've made progress, there's usually been somebody that's instigated challenge in my life, instigated progress, somebody that pushed me forward, somebody that spoke into me and said, there's something more than what you're doing now. And I'm thankful for those people. Might not have been comfortable at the time, but I'm thankful where I'm at today. People helped me get there. They carried me, but they challenged me. Amen. Here in Exodus chapter five, it's a very interesting passage. Uh, Leading up to this in Exodus chapter three, uh, God reveals himself to Moses through a bush that burns but is not consumed, a burning bush, and he calls and he assigns Moses as a deliverer, a deliverer of the Israelites that had been enslaved for now over 400 years in bondage and slavery to the Egyptians. And so God calls a man who, you know, we all know isn't qualified, doesn't match the criteria that we would have put on. The resume would not have fit. He would not have passed the test. We would not have gotten a second interview from man. But to God, God said, that's my man. I don't need anybody else. I don't care what you talk like, look like. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad your past is. You're my deliverer. You're gonna go into these people and you're gonna set these people free. I'm gonna redeem them through you. You're going to approach Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the mightiest man, most powerful man in the earth at that time. And you're going to tell him, let my people go. But I'll harden his heart. He's not going to just give in to your demands right away. But eventually, I will force him to have to let these people go. And in Exodus chapter 4 is... Moses kind of having this argument, God, you got the wrong guy. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm not fit. Why don't you find somebody else? And God has a rebuttal every time. And finally, God gets a little bit angry and says, shut up and do what I'm asking you to do. In essence, that's that's the the Mark Brady version right there. Uh, But in essence, he's kind of getting, you you read it, and he kind of gets in his face and says, listen, I'm not calling you on your ability. I'm calling you on my ability through you. I just need your availability. Come on, God doesn't need your ability. He just needs your availability. He just needs you to be available and let him work and move through you. So finally, in uh, Exodus chapter four, Moses goes to his father-in-law, gets permission to take his wife and his kids and says, I gotta go on this mission to Egypt. I gotta go before Pharaoh. So here in Exodus chapter five and verse one, I wanna read out of the uh, New Living uh, translation today. It'll be on the screen behind you in the... uh, New Living, it says this, after this presentation to Israel's leaders. So Moses first goes with his brother Aaron and goes to the leaders of Israel, the leaders of those that are enslaved and says, hey, this is what God has said. God's assigned me. We're gonna go in and do this. And of course, when you hear deliverance and when you hear a promise spoken, you know, it brings some excitement. When God initially speaks a promise in your life, You know, usually your initial, you might be a little terrified. You might be a a, a little, I don't know about that. God, you got the wrong person. But eventually you're gonna move in. You're gonna say, God, I believe you and I believe this promise is gonna be fulfilled. I mean, they knew about the promise with Abraham, their forefathers. They knew that one day they would be delivered. One day somebody would come and set them free. So after this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. 
Let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Verse two, that's why I like this translation. It responds and he says, is that so? Retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. An interesting fact about Pharaoh is uh, they really kind of gave him a divine presence or a divine uh, posture, if you will. And so, you know, by coming and saying, my God says to you, let my people go, he kind of sees himself on the same level as God on the same level as their God. Obviously, he doesn't believe in their God. He's not fearful of their God, doesn't care about their God. But he sees himself as almost a divine position. That I, you want to bring your power against my power is ultimately the way Pharaoh receives this. And so he says, oh, you think you're just gonna come up in here and demand that all your nation, your Israelites that had grown to be a mighty people at that time, We're talking over a million people. They recognized, the Egyptians recognized that they were mighty, that they were strong. They did recognize that there's a hand on these people, that there's something special about them. So the way that we're gonna break them down, since I can't take away their strength, I'll take away their strength in their mind. And that's what slavery is. Slavery is a thought process. Slavery is not a reality. But if we buy into slavery and we act as slaves and we live as slaves, we live substandard or below what God has called us to be. You could be the mightiest warrior on the planet, but broken down in your mind, you cannot do anything. So you have to defeat the enemy in your mind before you can ever defeat the enemy in front of you. Before you ever conquer an Egyptian, you've got to defeat this condemnation, weight, You know, when you come into the kingdom of God, the Bible tells us that he makes us new. All things, all the old is gone. The new is come. I mean, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You cannot be more of a believer, more of a Christian, more loved by God, more purposeful, uh, have more potential than the day you gave your life to Christ. But Romans 12 says you have to renew your mind. I have to renew my mind. What am I doing? I'm informing the old guy of the new guy. In essence, the Holy Spirit is introducing the old you to the new you. You're learning now what I'm capable of. You're learning now what my potential is. You're learning now your identity. You're discovering now who you already are. I can grow in my walk with the Lord and the the depth of my walk with the Lord, but that's all in my mind. My spirit's already there. My spirit's saying, catch up, get there. Come on, you need this. There's more inside of you. There's more than what meets the eye, amen? And so that's what spiritual growth and spiritual development brings. So, you know, you've got these slaves, they've got to overcome the enemy in their mind before they ever overcome the Egyptians. Have you ever noticed that your enemy doesn't always have the same response to God's promise that you do. And, you know, we, we, we have this, we have this uh, 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 you know, surprise when our, our enemy, our struggle, our challenge uh, doesn't respond to God's promise like we respond to God's promise. 
I mean, he's not fearful. He doesn't show any backing down. He doesn't show uh, uh, any, oh, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to enslave God's people. I mean, you know, if he said it, man, please get them out. I, I don't, I don't want there, to, there's no fear. There's almost a sarcasm. There's a, there's a posture of boldness and a posture of power that now all of a sudden shows up and says, oh, really? You think you're gonna come in here and you're gonna demand that a million slaves that are building our cities, making us stronger by the minute, you're just gonna come in here and say, we need to go to the wilderness to throw a festival, have a party, go worship God. But we can't have this response. You, when God speaks a promise to you, when God declares something over your life, it doesn't matter what your enemy thinks about it. It doesn't matter what your parents think about it. It doesn't matter what your, uh, 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 anybody might think. When God speaks something over your life, your, God's promises are never at the mercy of someone else's belief. God does not speak something over your life so everybody can get in agreement. Okay, see if you can find 10 people that see that in your, no, he, he is okay. He's just fine with everybody hating you, everybody walking away from you, people turning their back on you. Sometimes you don't even know who's really close in your life until God gives you a promise and then you find out, oh, you ain't for me, right? Jesus starts declaring uh, to his disciples what is gonna happen. I'm gonna be uh, handed over. Uh, They're gonna take my life. Peter gets in his face, Peter. One of the closest disciples he has gets in his face and says, Lord, may it never be. I will personally make sure this doesn't happen to you. And Jesus calls him a stumbling block. He actually calls him Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Satan as an offense. Satan as a barrier. Satan as a, you would be surprised. You'd be surprised at who is not always in agreement with what God says. But this is where we have to stand our ground. This is where we have to maintain our faith in the promise and don't uh, uh, allow fear to come over our life because of what somebody else thinks of it. I mean, I know in the times when God's spoken something over my life or over our family, something spiritual, you gotta be careful who you tell. You gotta be careful who you talk to because all of a sudden they they will create a checklist for you of all the natural things that could go wrong if you do that. They'll do it. As if those things hadn't already gone through your mind. You might not make it. Where are you gonna get a house? How are you gonna, what about your kids? I mean, I think, you know, Chris and Terry have that testimony that when they stepped out and launched Future Now and, and, and did that, they had a family member. What'd they say? His four children would starve to death because he answered the call of God on his life. Now, is that God's will? Is that what God wanted? I'm calling you to ministry at the expense of your family. No, God doesn't call you to something at the expense of anything that is in line with his purpose. In fact, he wants it to expand, not be expensed. God wants it to increase. And look, all four of his kids are in ministry today. They're doing much better than getting a good meal. They're fulfilling the call of God on their life because they had the faith to step out. 
I wonder what your faith would do for somebody else. I wonder what you stepping out in the promise of God would do for somebody else that you don't even know is connected to it. It's always bigger than what we see. And so Pharaoh's response, you know, a little hesitant. Not only that, but he is going to make it worse. He says, I will not let Israel go. Verse three, but Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met with us, they declared. So let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. If we don't, he will kill us with the plague or with the sword. Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their tasks? Get back to work. Look, there are many of your people in the land and you are stopping them from their work. You are, you are actually imposing on what is uh, useful and needful for me. You, you are bringing harm. You are causing me to lose something that is valuable to me. So verse six, that same day, Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves. You know, I'm thankful for God's promises. I'm thankful for when God speaks things over my life. I'm thankful for when God reveals the, the great things that are going to happen and that he's going to do in my life. But I've also noted this, with, noticed this, with every promise comes a threat. With every promise comes a threat. Anytime God brings a promise to someone, the enemy will bring something to refute and distort the promise and to combat the promise. You might remember in um, 1 Kings chapter 18, and Elijah, the prophet Elijah, has this awesome miracle on Mount Carmel where they set up these two altars in the midst of a famine and says, we're gonna find out today who's the real God. So you, prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal, you get your prophets out here and you worship your God and you ask your God to bring fire down upon this altar. Do not light it, do not put anything in, just put the wood on the altar. Then I, by myself, one man versus 450, I will call out to my God and whoever's God responds and consumes the altar. That's the one true God. They said, sure, we'll do that. And so we obviously know the 450 prophets of Baal spend all day out there wearing themselves out, trying to get the, 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 their God's attention, Baal's attention. Nothing ever shows up. Uh, Elijah gets in there, ends up dousing the altar with all kinds of water, which, you know, you don't wanna be dumping water on an altar in the midst of a famine. You're already low on the stuff and now we're wasting it on an altar. But he just says, I don't care. We're gonna give it to God. God's gonna come. He's gonna consume this thing. God consumes the altar and then he kills those 450 prophets of Baal. Well, if you keep reading in 1 Kings chapter 19, the king Ahab tells his wife, Queen Jezebel, what Elijah did. 
and she makes a threat. She makes a threat. She says, I will make sure, Elijah, you'll be dead by this time tomorrow, just like you killed those prophets of Baal. And Elijah takes off running into isolation. Starts crying out to God, God, I'm the only one left, and now they're coming after me. Just just take my life. He, He literally goes into depression the day after an amazing miracle. Isn't it amazing how we allow the threats of the enemy to become greater than the miracles of God? Isn't that amazing? That something that the devil says he's going to do is greater than something that God just did? Am I the only one that's ever come out of a victory, come out of a battle, and and you're rejoicing in your man? God is so good. God's so awesome. He saved my marriage, saved my life, saved me from this, saved me from that. And then the next battle comes, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm not going to make it. God, where are you? Anybody else do that? Am I the only one? Behind every promise is a threat. And the threat is not there to take away the promise. I believe the threat confirms the promise. I don't believe the devil threatens people that aren't powerful. I don't believe the devil wastes his time on people that don't have a promise. So if you've got some threats coming your way, if you've got some challenges showing up, let that just be an indication in your life that God is trying to do something through you and the enemy is so fearful of it, he wants to take you out to make sure that thing never gets accomplished. And so you have to learn to rest in the promise and not be moved by the threat. That's really what our life is all about, is withstanding the threats and standing on the promises. I have to stand on the promise and withstand the threat. The threat can't take you out. The threat can't move you. The threat can't can't take away God's promise. It can't touch God's promise. The only way you don't see God's promise fulfilled in your life is if you become more moved by the threat than the promise. I'm just gonna choose that I'm not gonna allow my life to be dictated by threats, rather by promises. God makes promises, the enemy makes threats. And so I have to stand on the promise of God. They've already received a promise from God. And now the enemy in response to that doesn't say, okay, take your people. Okay, you can have your way. I don't want to pick a fight with your God. No, no, no. He says, we're going to make it worse for you. And sometimes our lives go backwards, what we think is backwards, after we've received a promise. Sometimes things get worse. Sometimes the elements get harsher. Sometimes the environment really crouches down. Sometimes it really, that's where you really have to pull together. I have a promise, I have a threat. Which one am I gonna focus on? And where I fix my focus, I build my faith. Where I fix my focus, I build my faith. If I fix my focus on the promise, I build my faith in the promise regardless of the threat. If I fix my focus on the threat, I will build faith in what the enemy will do to me more than what God God can do for me. You see that? See, both both the enemy and God operate by your belief system. If you believe it, it will happen. So I have to be sure to put my faith in his promise in spite of challenges, in spite of circumstances that don't align, in spite of, uh, of the threats that may come. 
you might as well just go ahead and get it in your head that, that when God gives me a promise, start preparing yourself for the tightening. God gives you a promise in your finances, look out. He's not bringing the attack. It comes from the enemy because God, because the enemy knows what danger you will bring to the kingdom if you get your finances in order. He starts speaking to you about your kids, starts speaking to you about your healing, starts speaking to you uh, about a situation. And when you get a promise from God, that's right where the enemy starts to go. I will make sure. The enemy has a response. I will make sure. He will threaten you to make sure you don't become a threat to him. Amen. It's easy to receive a promise, but it can be difficult to withstand the threat. It's easy to receive a promise, but it can be, it it, it takes more tenacity. It takes more urgency. The promise is on God's part. Believing the promise and standing on the promise is your part. All of his promises are yes and amen. All of his promises are faith. He is faithful to perform that which he promised. Are you faithful to stand on that which he promised? Is the question. So I have to withstand. It's easy to shout in here on Sunday morning, but what comes after Sunday? You don't even want to say it. You don't even want to think about it. Pastor Mark, it's not even noon yet. I don't want to think about Monday yet. I don't want to think about tomorrow. I don't want to think about work. I don't want to think about that place. I don't want to think about those people. I don't want to think about the traffic. I don't want to think about the demands on my life. I don't want to think about what they're going to ask me to do. I I don't want to think about the things I didn't finish last week that I hope I can finish this week. But you can't just shout on Sunday. The same God that promised on Sunday Promises on Monday, promises on Tuesday, promises on Wednesday. His promises are faithful and forever. Amen. So I can receive a promise. The seed can go in the ground, but will it take root? Matthew 13, uh, a couple of those people, a couple of those uh, soils that we saw there, uh, uh, they, they received the word, it says, with joy. But it didn't take root. Or the Chair, the, the, the cares and challenges of life began to show up and uprooted what God had sown. Am I sowing stuff that tomorrow you're gonna uproot? Is God giving you a promise today that tomorrow you're, the, the threat's gonna be bigger than today's promise? Come on now. Because Pharaoh's not gonna just let you go. I heard one pastor say, you know, he was talking about, uh, you know, where God guides he provides. Some of y'all might not have been churched enough. That's all right. That, that usually comes easy. If I went to the Pentecostal church, they'd be screaming, he provides, yeah. Where God guides, he provides. Where God guides, Pharaoh follows. Yeah, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about what's chasing our tail. We don't talk about what the enemy's gonna try to do to combat the promise that you just gave. You see, that you become responsible with what you hear and with what you know. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get a sign out by the door that says you will be responsible. On your way out, you will become responsible for everything you hear in here. Are you sure you want that? Because with, 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 there's there's, with greatness comes responsibility. 
So we can shout in here. You can take all the copious notes all you want. You can do all, all the shouting, dancing, running. But can you get out there and stand on the promise of God? In the midst of the trial, in the midst of the circumstance, in the midst of the issues, will they move you? And so his response is, don't supply any more straw, but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they're crying out, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. This is really the essence of where I wanna go today is now we have an issue of supply and demand. And again, we're talking about stretch. We're talking about stretching ourselves. We're talking about believing God for something greater. We're talking about stretching our expectations, stretching our increase. And one of the ways or one of the components of stretching is you have to learn to do more with less. In essence, this message is really just centered around how do you respond to lack? How do you respond to lack? How do you respond to scarcity? How do you respond? What is your response when you don't have enough? Right? Because it's easy when you've got what you need. It's easy when all the resources are made available to you. It's easy in one sense. It still requires work, but it's definitely much more helpful when you have the necessary resources available to you. But what humankind, what humanity has actually proven to us is we actually do better in scarcity than we do in overage. We actually do better with limitations than we do with having too much at our disposal. Let Google be exhibit A. I don't know that we're much smarter. We were talking about that yesterday. Travis said, we ought to be taking people to the moon right now with as much knowledge as we have available to us. In fact, instead, we can't even figure out what bathroom to go in. I mean, we're more confused today with the amount of knowledge that we have at our disposal than we've ever been on the face of this planet. We have proven that we can do more with less. You would be surprised what you could accomplish with less than what you have. And so we're talking about stretching our faith. And one of the, 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 the main responses that people will have is, I just don't have it. I don't have enough. Well, we saw last week, it only takes one small step of obedience. We, got, we knocked that out last week. Go back and listen to it again. It only takes one small step. One small step from that man rising up in faith when Peter and John asked him to rise up at the end of uh, uh, Exodus or at the end of Acts chapter, beginning, uh, end of chapter four, beginning of chapter five, we see that 5,000 people came into the kingdom that day because of one small act. What if that man had said, you know what? I'm just here for alms. I don't want to walk. In fact, walking means that I'm gonna have to go take care of it on my own now. I want to rely on men for the rest of my life, so no thank you. Then we wouldn't see 5,000 people come in. But it's the ones that bring five loaves and two fish that open the door for 5,000 plus to be fed by God. So we already saw that everybody's got something. But then scarcity shows up. This not enough uh, shows up. This, this, this idea that if I get rid of this, then I won't have for me. 
That always shows up. And scarcity and lack has nothing to do with your paycheck, your pay grade, your promotion level. It has nothing to do with your status. Everybody at some point meets lack. Might be lack of energy, might be lack of love, lack of uh, uh, comfort, lack of identity. There's always lack or scarcity that shows up in our life somewhere. How do we respond to that? What do we do? In essence, what we've seen here is we have a decrease of resources, but an increase of responsibility. We have a decrease of resources. Anybody ever been put in a situation where you've had to produce more with less in any, in any way of life? Parenting. A decrease of resources. How am I supposed to parent when I didn't even have good parents growing up? How am I supposed to be a dad and I didn't have a dad? How am I supposed to be a loving wife and I didn't have that reflected in my home growing up? How am I supposed to do this? I've never been around that. But see, God hasn't called you according to your level of resources. God doesn't assign purpose on your life God doesn't uh, give you an assignment in your life based upon the resources that you have at your disposal. God says, I will train you in the process. He offers on-the-job training. You ever gone to apply for a job and you just had to be honest, look, I, I have no experience in this area. I've never done this before. And they say, that's all right, we'll train you. That's God. He says, I just need your, we said it earlier, availability. Will you come and show up? Will you be my mouthpiece? Will you go where I tell you to go? Will you say what I tell you to say? I don't need you to be able because I will empower you by the Holy Spirit to perform the functions necessary for the job assignment I've placed on your life. I just need you in the environment. I just need your yes. I just need to know you're committed. I just need to know you're faithful. I just need to know you're gonna stick it out regardless of what comes against you. God does not consult your resources to give you an assignment on your life. And I'm so thankful he does. Not one of us would be doing anything purposeful for the kingdom of God if, he had to, if we had to go back to, well, I can do this, I have this, I got this degree, I did this before, I owned this, I bought this. In fact, many times God will call you in the one area you're weak, the one area you don't have expertise, the one area you don't know how. God, why didn't you put me over here? I know plenty about this. Why you got me over here? I'd have never done this before. That's where I want you because I want my power through your life, not yours. So burnout, the definition of burnout is simply when the demand is high, but the supply is low. Burnout is literally when the demand is high, but the supply is low. So Pharaoh dumps in and he says, okay, I'm gonna make sure this promise doesn't come to pass. And I'm actually gonna make it so difficult and so hard for you people that you won't even listen to another promise from your God. You're gonna be so busy doing work for me. You're not gonna have time to listen to crazy prophets and crazy people that come in and say, we're gonna deliver a, a million slaves. I'll show you. And so now, again, a breaking down in the mind occurs where they're already in slavery 
and they've learned to survive at that level. Because when they get into the wilderness, what do they do? We had it better. As slaves, we had it better. See, I, you know, slavery can get comfortable, guys. If we're not careful, we will dumb our lives down and live down to the level of our environment and get comfortable with it. You'll be okay enslaved. You'll be okay with pornography and then you'll begin to say, well, I just did it once this week. You'll get okay and comfortable with that. You'll get okay and comfortable with certain uh, uh, slavery lifestyles and mentalities in your life and you'll begin to justify those actions and one day you'll say, well, I had it better as a slave. That tells me how comfortable they got. And so now Pharaoh shows up and says, I'm taking away your straw. You think you got it hard now? I can make it harder. I can make it worse. And in essence, Moses is put in a position of, Pharaoh, do you want to do this the easy way or the hard way? That's what you need to tell the devil next time he brings threats to your life. The next time he tries to take away things, tries to make it, okay, all right. I was going to let you off easy. You could let me walk. You could let me have that house. You could let me own that business. You could let me parent these kids. You, but I see what you're going to do. Instead of you just giving me a fruitful marriage, you're going to make me work for it. Okay, you want to do this the hard way. My marriage is going to be 10 times better when this is all said and done because of the work we're going to put in. Come on now. That's the type of mentality you have to have. That's the kind of response you have to have to scarcity. Lack cannot ward you off of God's promise. But many times a tightness will occur. Many times uh, 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 a restricting limitations begin to show up in the very area God made a promise. In the very area God spoke and said, I'm gonna set you free, I'm gonna deliver you. And it will tighten up and it will restrict. And so now we have this decrease of resource and we have this increase of responsibility. And sometimes, you know, it's not so much that the responsibility increases, but when the resources de decrease, it feels like the responsibility just went through the roof. You got the same amount of clients, but you're having to work with less. This can happen in any area of our life. So how do we respond to lack? How do we respond when it doesn't show up? And we see here, we keep on going. Verse 9. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them uh, to listen to lies. So the slave drivers and foremen went out, told the people, this is what Pharaoh says. I will not provide any more straw for you. Go and get it yourselves. Find it wherever you can, but you must produce just as many bricks as before. So the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt, search of stubble to use as straw. Meanwhile, the Egyptian slave drivers continued to push hard. Meet your daily quota of bricks, just as you did when we provided you with straw. Then they whipped the Israelite foreman. That You know, the enemy will provide you just enough to keep you his slave, to keep you working for him. He will, he will make you, he will keep you in a posture He will put you in a position where you'll begin to enjoy it. You'll begin to embrace it. You'll, you'll begin to see no way out. That's how demented it is. They were giving them straw before. Now he's saying, we're not even gonna give you the straw. 
So the Israelite form in verse 15 went to Pharaoh and pleaded with him, please don't treat your servants like this. They bet we are given no straw. But the slave drivers still demand, make bricks. We are being beaten, but it isn't our fault. Your own people are to blame. But Pharaoh shouted, you are just lazy, lazy. That's why you're saying, let us go and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now get back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still produce the full quota of bricks. The Israelite foreman could see that they were in serious trouble when they were told you must not reduce the number of bricks you make each day. And as they left Pharaoh's court, they confronted Moses and Aaron. Isn't that the thing? We, we, we end up going back to the one that declared the promise. Now we go back and say, Here, here's what's happened as a result of you doing this. God, I wasn't even believing for this until you brought it up. Now I started believing. Then these threats and challenges showed up. If it wasn't for your blessing, I wouldn't be in this situation, right? Isn't that what we do? So they go and they confront Moses and Aaron who were waiting outside. The foreman said to them, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands, an excuse to kill us. Lack and, and scarcity shows you what you really value. Lack and scarcity have a way of showing you what you really value, what's really important to you. And this is lack. I mean, I'm not talking about lack. People in the Bible, you can go throughout the word of God and you see people that experienced lack and scarcity. And we know God is not a God of lack. God is a God of what? More than enough, exceedingly abundantly, above all. That, that's God's will for your life. You should never be comfortable with lack and scarcity. But yet lack and scarcity came Two people in the Bible. And I'm not talking about, you know, the Wi-Fi signal went out. I can't find my cell phone. I'm talking about shipwrecks, beatings, being, their lives being on, put on the line. I mean, you know, you don't really know scarcity until your Wi-Fi signal goes out. You don't know how much of a Christian you are until you can't get enough Wi-Fi. That's the worst thing in the world right now. Absolutely. No, we're talking about scarcity. We're talking about lack. We're talking about not enough. We're talking about the demand on my life is greater than the resources that are helping me meet the demand. God, if I didn't listen to you, I wouldn't be in this situation. If I didn't believe your promise, if I didn't go after your blessing, if I didn't stand on your word, if I didn't believe the promise, if I didn't stand in faith, if I didn't do exactly what you told me to do, I wouldn't be here. And so what is our usual natural inclination? It's to draw back on God's promise. So I don't endure the stress or the demand. But here's the question that turns everything around. What is your supply? That's the question that changes everything. As long as you think straw is your supply, you'll live like a slave. Who, what, where is your supply? Who do you run to? Who do you go to? What do you lean on? Where do you go when the scarcity shows up? See, that's why lack and scarcity shows you what you're really made of. You don't know what people are really capable of doing until lack and scarcity shows up. 
You don't know who they really are. You don't know what's in you until pressures and challenges and testing shows up. When the stretch comes into place, when you start having to stretch your faith beyond where you where you have ever lived, when you get challenged beyond what you're comfortable with, that's where it shows up. See, challenge by nature brings lack. Yeah. By nature, when you're challenging yourself and stretching yourself, lack is initially the result. Which means, man, you know, I I could run a mile, but running two miles was difficult. I was challenging myself to run two miles. So I'm lacking the fortitude or lacking the energy to go from one mile to two miles. So what do I need to do? Stretch and strengthen myself to be able to eventually meet the two miles. See, I mean, if you're you're having trouble finding straw, you're gonna have a real hard time in the wilderness when water's gotta come out of a rock. Come on now. See, God's always a few steps ahead of us. God knows what he's trying to do. God knows what he's doing. And eventually we know that because of this very mentality, rather than embracing the limitation and embracing the scarcity, not thanking God like, oh, thank you God for putting this on my life because he didn't bring it. That's not the nature of God. God doesn't bring sickness and disease. God doesn't bring lack and poverty. God doesn't bring trials and tribulations. They come to your life as a result, but you are taught to fight through them, push through them, press and finish the race. But they will come. Trials and tribulations will come, but what? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What's he saying? You gotta stretch yourself to be able to embrace it and recognize I'm gonna push past this. So what happens is, is when scarcity and lack shows up, that's where you really find out what you lean on. And what you lean on is your source. Not just the resource, it's become your source. See, straw was designed to be a resource, not the source. So what did they do? They put their faith, their reliance, their dependence in the wrong supply, in the wrong area, on the wrong thing. So he goes on. Moses went back to the Lord. So this is funny. They come to Moses and complain. And so Moses in turn doesn't respond and say, hey guys, look, God has promised us we're coming out. God has promised us we're going in. God has promised us we're gonna deliver. He told me, he showed himself to me in a burning bush. So guys, we're just gonna have to stand. In fact, at the end of chapter four, God tells Moses, I'm gonna harden Pharaoh's heart. He's not gonna let you go immediately. No, he didn't respond with that. Moses then goes to God. Moses went back to the Lord and protested, why have you brought all this trouble on your own people? He dumps it back on God. Why did you send me? Now he's even questioning his assignment. He's questioning his purpose. Because of pressure, 
because of lack, because of scarcity. What's it doing? Even though God gave the promise, now it's being revealed in them where they really put their trust. God wants your trust more than you want his miracle. God wants your trust more than he wants your comfort. God wants your trust more than he wants your convenience. God wants, his tr- God wants your trust more than he wants you to have your preference. See, we're talking about the process. God gives us the promise, the end goal, but now, there's, now we have to walk out the process and the, prosle- the process rarely asks you for your preference. Anybody ever notice that? That God didn't answer my prayer, my miracle, my blessing didn't bring me the promise the way I would have done it. Anybody can testify. I wouldn't have done it that way. In fact, I actually hated it that way. In fact, I almost quit that way. I almost thought it was the devil that way. Yeah. Because he's not trying to get you your preference. He's trying to get you your deliverance. Why have you brought all this trouble on your own people? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people and you have done nothing to rescue them. You have what? You have done. You have done. You have done. You have done nothing. God, what are you going to do? Anybody ever gone to God and said, God, what are you going to do about this situation? How are you gonna get this get me out of this trouble? How are you gonna get these people off my back? How are you gonna get my spouse to walk in love toward me? How are you gonna do? How are you gonna do? How are you gonna do? That's what we do to God. But look at Exodus chapter six. It's not the lack that will destroy you, it's how you respond to it. It's not the scarcity that's gonna take you out, it's your response to it. This is where it all comes to a head, right here. What do we do when the supply doesn't meet the demand? What do we do when the demand is greater than the supply? What do we do when the demand is high but the supply is low? What do we do? Verse one, Exodus chapter six. Then the Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, He will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. And don't we know, because we know the end of the story, that's exactly what happened. Did God do what he said he was gonna do? Did God perform what he said he was gonna perform? Did God use his strong hand through 10 plagues and ultimately taking Pharaoh's firstborn son that Pharaoh begged Moses to get those Israelites out of here? He did what he was going to do. He did it before, he will do it again. But this is the problem. We focus on what God does. We focus on his performance. We focus on his miracles. But look at verse two. And God said to Moses, I am, I am. I am. See, in verse one, he reminds him, 
I will do what I said I was going to do. But there's something else you need to be convinced of. You need to have more trust in who I am, not just what I can do. He's trying to shift their thinking. He's trying to shift their perspective. I'm not just here to do something for you. I'm here to be with you. I am something. He said, you have your faith and your trust in a resource and I am the source. So when the straw diminishes, you get all weary. When, when this is taken away, when they don't respond to you like that you think they ought to respond to you, when you walk in love towards your spouse and they don't respond, reciprocate it back to you. When this happens and this happens and this happens, you begin to wonder, God, where are you? God, why aren't you doing anything? And he says, hey, I don't want you to believe in me for what I can do. I want you to believe in me for who I am. He says, and God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. Look at this in verse three. I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. El Shaddai is Jehovah. Jehovah means Jehovah means deliverer. Jehovah speaks to what God does. Yahweh, Yahweh means deliverer. You got to catch this now. Jehovah means supplier, means I will do it. Yahweh means deliverer, means I am. The deliverer, I am whatever you need. Isn't that what he told Moses in the burning bush? How, who do I say sent me? I am sent you. I am what? God, you didn't finish your sentence. I am blank. I am whatever you need. I am. See, I'm not the one just doing it for you. I am the one with you, empowering you to do it. So he's having to shift their thinking. As slaves, they got used to having God do everything for them. And up until this moment, God had only revealed himself as Jehovah, Jireh, God Almighty, El Shaddai, the one with the powerful arm, the powerful hand, the strong hand. And I'm gonna move by my strong, I'm gonna clear out the enemy and I'm gonna fight your battle and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna bring water out of a rock and I'm gonna do this. But then when you need to go into Canaan, when you need to walk into the promised land, you don't need to know what God is going to do. You need to know who God is. I wonder if anybody here today wants to focus on who God is and then let him fill in the blank. He is comfort. He is peace. He is joy. He is more than enough. He is. You need a God that is, not a God that does. God wants you to put more trust in who he is. So lack and scarcity never moves you again. Worship team, if you come. God is wanting to shift us, move us.
You don't stretch your faith believing in what God can do. You stretch your faith by believing who he is. I'm thankful that he supplied my needs. But I'm even more thankful that he can deliver me. He can supply to me when I'm in slavery. But he wants to do more than just supply your need in slavery. He wants to deliver you from it altogether. Come on now. I don't want God to just supply strength to me so I can do this or not do this. I want God to deliver me from it altogether. I need to know who he is. Here's the thing. If God isn't your supply when you have plenty, he won't be your source when you have little. He's the same God. What's in your bank account, what's in your heart, what you're going through in your life, what your marriage currently looks like, what your business state looks like, what you have available to you, what's going on, it doesn't move who he is. My relationship with my God doesn't go up and down based upon my situation because he is good all the time. But my situation, God, is it's not good. That's okay, I'm good. Some of us have a limited idea of what God can do because we have a limited identity of who he is. I'll say that again. We have a limited idea of what God can do because we have a limited identity of who he is. When I discover who he is, now I know what he can do. When I discover who he is, now I have faith and trust in what he will do. God didn't want to just bring straw so that he can make it easier for them in slavery. God wanted to bring them out of slavery altogether. He wanted to deliver them. Now here's the thing. If God had moved Pharaoh or if Pharaoh would have let the people go right there in Exodus chapter 5 they would have never seen the Egyptians drown in the Red Sea here's the other aspect of it sometimes it's not about what God is trying to do for you it's about what God is trying to do for the enemy. See, the Egyptians put themselves under judgment to God the Most High for their treatment of the Israelites. God was looking for an opportunity, number one, giving Pharaoh an opportunity to repent because God is merciful like that that even the staunchest of enemies have an opportunity to hand their, hand their life over and commit it to him. So he gave them opportunity 
after opportunity, after plague, after trial. But ultimately, Pharaoh's heart was so hardened that he wanted nothing to do with God. And their entire army was wiped out in an instant. God brought his people through dry ground in the Red Sea because he knew the Egyptians couldn't swim. See, sometimes your trial isn't about you. It's about those that are opposing you. God's really given somebody else an opportunity. You, you, you might be right now in a position where your love walk is being tested to the nth degree. Do not get an offense. Do not let bitterness take root in your heart because God is giving them an opportunity to turn. God's giving them an opportunity to see his life. God's giving them an opportunity to ask for forgiveness and repent. Do not let it touch you. Do not let it touch you. Do not let it come to you. You gotta hear me. This is for somebody in this room right now. Somebody in this room right now. There are opportunities after opportunities for offense. And you've struggled. I'm here to tell you today, stand your ground. Walk in love. Forgive them. Release them. Because God's trying to do something for them. Don't, do not be Jonah. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because Nineveh was an enemy of God, an enemy of him. That would be like going overseas to ISIS and preaching to them the love of God. And Jonah didn't want to preach to them because he knew if God believed in him enough to send him, that he would forgive them. And he didn't want them to be forgiven. Don't be that. Don't be that person. No, God's trying to do something. He's not just trying to deliver you. He's not just trying to set you free. It's not about you. The trial's not about you. It was never about you. God's trying to do something through you. Ultimately, he delivered the Israelites and he destroyed the Egyptians. Can we all just stand up for a moment? Just stand up for a moment. I want you to, just for a moment, take a moment and reflect on who he is. Not what he can do, don't think about what he can do. Just right now, you, yourself, your God, focus on who he is. He is good. He is good. He is good. He is mighty. He is strong. He is comforting. He is forgiving. He is the Savior of the world. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is 
the forgiver, the redeemer, the restorer. He is. And because he is, he will do. Because he is, he will do. But you've got to get your focus on who he is. You got to get your focus on who he is. Nothing in your situation changes who he is. Nothing in your past changes who he is. Nothing you've done this week changes who he is. Nothing you can do changes who he is. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.